You're listening to the audio podcast from New Walk Church. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Uh, We are dealing with some TMZ, some tabloid talk here over the next several weeks. Before I get into that, I want to tell you what happened here last week. I know some of you already know, but I just want to celebrate it with you all together. So many of you uh, were a part of making all of the things happen that happened here last weekend and, and of course, serving and honoring the work of the kingdom. So I want to say thank you, but here's how many people um, came forward last week, got up out of their seat and came forward. 526 people last week came forward. That was incredible. And I I thought I'd just share with you something interesting about that. You know, if you were here at the 11 o'clock service on Sunday last week, you know that every seat was filled and there were people standing along the walls. And then we had 150 or so in the cafe watching on a video screen. And so that, that was phenomenal. But here was something even more incredible. When at the very end, you know, they're watching my sermon on the screen. At the very end, when I said, stand in the cafe, they stood. And when I said, if you're ready to come forward and make that great exchange, your sin for forgiveness, in the cafe, 25 people walked forward to a video screen and said yes to Jesus. Very powerful portrait of how the gospel goes forth and people respond in all kinds of settings. I we had some pastors there, people to minister to them as they came forward, but it's pretty incredible. We had a record recorded anyways, five, uh, our VIPs, 1,304 first-time visitors came to our church. We loved that. We had uh, almost a record kids in our kids' ministry, 1,728 uh, in our kids' ministry. Um, pray for those workers. Uh, then... We had a total of uh, somebody participating in at least one of our services, 6,858 people on our site last week. And that is so close to breaking our all-time record. And I think that's important because we talk about, you know, pre-COVID versus where we are now and some of the real difficulties churches faced uh, as people um, were not a part of the church any longer or at least kind of disappeared. And to see that we are within a few hundred people of breaking a pre-COVID record, we, we, God is restoring, bringing incredible things back to our church. And so we're grateful for that. And we give God the glory for everything that happened last week. But I do want to just, again, thank you, our servants, our volunteers, people who give to stuff like this, pray. It all makes a difference serving, and I'm grateful for each of you that believe in what we're doing here at our church. Don't forget next week, two weeks, we have a Mother's Day weekend coming up, and it's on the 7th and 8th. We, when we do, like, so you probably know Mother's Day is on the 8th, it's on a Sunday, but when we do an event like this on Mother's Day or Father's Day, the things, just like Easter, everything's identical. So if you come on Saturday, to Mother's Day weekend at Newwalk with the same things we have Saturday, same things we have Sunday. So you might say on Mother's Day, our family is going to go do something with mom somewhere else. You come Saturday night and still participate in all the Mother's Day events that are taking place. Uh, Did you know we have Saturday night church? Did you know that? Okay, some of you knew that. Maybe you didn't. Two services on Saturday night. I know it's surprising. 
but it, we do. We have two, and it's identical anyway, so it doesn't matter. Uh, even on Mother's Day, not Mother's Day, we do identical things Saturday and Sunday. And so maybe you're planning your Mother's Day weekend, and you want to attend on Saturday night. You could do that. Our series, I told you last week we are going to be doing a series called Tabloid Jesus. And what we wanted to talk about was some of these things that are out there in our culture today, sayings, folklore, things that we spout out, things that Christians say, <laughs> Uh, as well, that they're really trying to be helpful to somebody, but they share things as though God did say them, as though Jesus said them, as though they're in the Bible, but they're not. And it could sound like it's not a big deal. Come on, Gary, what's the big deal? I think when I unpack what I want to share with you today and throughout this series, what you're going to see is there is a real danger in you and I, especially representing the things of God, telling people that about something that indicating that maybe this is a view of God or this is what God thinks about things and life and humanity and it's actually not even close to being true. There, there's a danger in that. And, and I know, again, we're, we, we have good intentions. You know, you're at, a, you're at a funeral or you're talking to somebody, you know, who's dealing with a death in the family and you just want to give, you, you want to give comforting words. I get it. You want to give comforting words. And you share something to somebody and you say something like, well, I guess God just needed another flower for his garden. Some of you are like, oh man, I've said that myself, crud. Yeah, look, I mean, you know, you were, you were, you were really trying to be nice, but it doesn't always add up with things of the scriptures. And if you say that to somebody who's not a believer, they're going to be, they're going to be wondering like, who is this God that's got a garden with flowers and and I don't understand what that even means anyways. Uh, I've had people misquote me over the years. Uh, and I, I, I could say that you probably don't like being misquoted either. Like, have you ever been misquoted? Where somebody says something that you said and you're like, I never even came. I didn't say that. You're twisting my words. Nobody likes to be misquoted. I remember one time, uh, probably seven or eight years ago, somebody said uh, to me, Pastor Gary, I heard that you said one time on the stage to all of your audience that a man and woman in marriage should have sex at least you know, all, 30 days out of the month. 30, every day they should have sex. I'm like, what? I have never said, I've never said that privately. I've never said that publicly. This did not come out of my mouth, but I'm like, this is, like, how is somebody coming up with this? And, and you've had moments where it's like, what in the world? I never came close to ever saying anything like that. Imagine how God feels when we try to quote him, and it's like not even close. And when we do that with God, we dilute his word. We set people up with a mindset about God that could be very messy. We mischaracterize him, giving people warped expectations about who God really is. I want to start off this week with one of the most used phrases. Even Christians use this. It's not in the Bible. It's very tabloid Jesus, very tabloid oriented, very much not accurate. It happens usually when you're going through something and a friend comes up to you and they, they do want to, it's, you're going through a messy situation and they want to comfort you. They really do. Uh, life's been tough. You've lost a job. Maybe you've lost a family member. Maybe your marriage is struggling. Maybe everything's happening at once. And this tabloid statement comes out of somebody's mouth to you. You know, God will never give you more than you can 
handles. Some of you have said that. Uh, some of you have heard that. Uh, this is problematic because number one, it's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. You're like, I thought that wasn't, it's not in the Bible. I'm going to share with you a scripture that could be loosely connected, but when I unpack it here in a second, you'll see it's not even close. It's not even close. Uh, the other thing about it is, again, if you were to believe this, it is extremely dangerous because it puts stuff on you that you were never meant to have, and it puts stuff on God that God was never meant to have. It's not true. It's opposite of everything we read in the scriptures. It's not a small detail. It's a big deal because everything about that statement is not true. And so there are big dangers in trying to throw something out there that we make sound like it's something God would say, and it's not. I said before that it comes out of some maybe like a loose interpretation of another scripture. Let me share with you that scripture so you'll know that it's not even close um, this is a, the scripture I'm going to share with you is a time with the church in Corinth in this first century church. They are struggling with sin. Uh, there's people there engaged in sin and they're trying, they're, they're coming to this place where they're trying to excuse their sin because like, uh, no one's ever encountered this sin before. Okay, Paul, they're right. They're talking to Paul. Paul's writing back. Hey, Paul, we we have gone, we're going through some tough things in our life, and that's why we're sinning. No one's ever faced what we're facing with these temptations. And, you know, Paul's going to write back and explain some things about temptation. It really isn't any different than the 2022 church. You know, you're going through something, and you try to make it sound like yours is the most difficult temptation you've ever faced in your life, and you say something, man, I'm really trying to quit doing this, but... It's so hard. I'm going through something and I'm trying to stop doing it, but I keep doing it so, it's so hard. And maybe we blame God because of the temptations we're facing. But in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, first it says this, it says, God is faithful. God is faithful. And then it says this, he will not let you be, what's that next word? Let you be what? Tempted beyond anything you can bear. Notice here, it's not talking about hardships of life. It's not talking about storms. It's not talking about when people die and tragedy happens. It's talking about what? It's talking about temptation. It's talking about, hey, hey Paul's saying, hey, when you are facing a temptation, you can know how to deal with it because if you turn to the things of God, if you turn to God in your temptation, He'll get you out, uh, he'll help you provide a way out of that temptation. It says this, when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out. Notice, this text has, again, it's only to do with temptation. And the response here is that God is faithful. And if you're being tempted with anything in your life and you're having a struggle turning away from that temptation, turn to God, he will bring you out of it. If you seek him, he will help you get out of that situation but it doesn't have anything to do with God giving you more than you can handle, not even close. Now, when you think about this, storms, I mentioned storms in life and difficulties in life. Here's what we know. Everybody in this room, you're, one in you're in one of three categories right now. You are either coming out of a storm in life, a difficulty. You are in the middle of one right now, or you're not long from going into one. It's just life, right? I mean, it happens. You go through difficulties in life. There are 
problems in life. It has hardships, trials, difficulties, and we need to know, you need to know, I need to know, before I get into a storm in life, I need to know what did God really say about a difficulty and a hardship and a time in life where it felt like everything was closing in on me. Am I going to buy into tabloid trash? Or am I going to know, really know what the Word of God says? I, I, I want to give you three contrasts from that statement. God won't give you more than you can handle. I'm going to give you three contrasts uh, to what the truth of God's Word actually says. I'm going to walk you through these together. Here I put in your notes, there's a difference between giving you and allowing you. We, remember, God won't give you. There's a difference between give you and uh, allowing you. So here, here's what we know. If somebody's going through a difficult time in their life, they're going through some tough moments in their life, again, maybe everything's happening all at once, they're wondering, why is this happening? I get it. You want, I've had those moments. I'm like, why, why God, is this, is this happening? And if it's true that God won't give you more than you can handle what we really think then is when we believe a statement is, is, is the things that are happening to me right now, God's given it to me. He's given it to me. And what an unhealthy thing to believe about who God is. And we know the scriptures tell us that all good things come from God. But there is a reason why brokenness is in this world. Imagine an unbeliever being told this. Uh, God won't give you more than you can handle. What we're saying is, you know, uh, you should probably see that God's this big jerk in the sky pouring things on you because he just wants you to suffer. And he's not. That's not who God is. I, I want to give you just a, in a quick snapshot of who Jesus, uh, what Jesus wants to remind us of who God really is. He, he's always talking about the kingdom. He's talking about who God is, he's using parables, little stories to kind of get his point across. And there's one in Luke chapter 15 where he gives something, a little talk about the story of the prodigal son. And in, and in just really a handful of verses, Jesus makes it clear the truth about who God is. It's a parable uh, about a father who wants to give the son the very best, but the son rejects the things of the father and wants to go live the way he wants to live and things start going badly for the son. In this text, you will understand some truths about who God is right out of Jesus' mouth. You need to understand it because when you're going through something in life and you think that God has given it to you, you're going to blame God for the struggles that you're going through in your life at times. Uh, we're not going to see the truth about who God is if we're not careful. We're not going to see the truth about who God is. We're not going to see how things happen in our world, the consequences of free will choice. We're not going to see that there's sin in the world. We're not going to see that we have a spiritual adversary in our world who wants to take you down all the time. And so if you don't see sin, if you don't see brokenness, if you don't see how that plays out in our world, you'll blame God for everything. And Satan loves it when God gets all the blame. While he laughs, prods us into these decisions that we make in our life to try to fall prey to temptation and difficulty, giving God all the blame. We got we to gotta pause and say, okay, what is the truth about God? And in this prodigal son uh, story that Jesus is sharing, uh, just so you know, and I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. I know many of you know this text, but I'll just, just share with you what's happening 
in this text is Jesus is sharing a story. He's talking about a father who has an inheritance for a son. And, you know, we usually wait till the proper things happen when we receive an inheritance. There's usually a death and then money is orchestrated into the hands of different people. And there's a son who wants an inheritance of his father, but he doesn't want to wait for the death of his father or anything like that. He, what he wants it is he wants it right now. He says to his father, hey, hey, I, I, I want what's due to me now. And this is really disrespectful. Uh, it would be disrespectful in our culture today, certainly back then, to basically make the assumption that you're, you're dead to me, I want my money. Like, that's what's happening here. It's, like, I don't, I, it's disrespectful. I don't want a relationship with you. The son is saying to the father, give me my money, my inheritance now. What an awful thing to say to the father. But the father gives it to the boy, and the boy takes off. He runs and he squanders. He has nothing left and he's in this really awful place of living. Luke 15 verse 13, here's what it says as Jesus is teaching this parable. It says, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, his inheritance. He set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Who chose to squander their wealth? Was it the father or the son? A handful of you did really well with that, so I just want to, but I don't know, I want to make sure you get this. Who chose to squander everything, the father or the son? The son makes the choice to squander. Who chose to live in wild living? Who, who chose to make that choice? Was it the father or the son? Did the father give him wild living, or did the father allow him to encounter wild living? He allowed him. He didn't give that to the son after he spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. He began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out, the son did, hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He's empty. This is a portrait of messiness from the choices he's made. He's without anything. He's without the father's protection. Again, who chose it, the father or the son? The son, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Yeah, this is more than he could handle. This is way more than he can handle. It's a messy situation, and this parable is very revealing because God is not in any situation doling it out. We see the consequences in this text of your choices that go away from God, other people's choices and how it affects you as well, not God giving it to any of us at all. Imagine though, the son, he's sitting there, he's hurting, he's in a broken place and a really good-hearted, wonderful believer comes up to this, to, to this boy who's, who's wallowing with the pigs and says, you know, God won't give you more than you can handle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, you just gotta suck it up, hang in there. You can do it. Just eat the pods with the pigs just a little bit longer. Just do it a little longer. It'll all work out. The equivalent of when you say God won't give you more than, than you can handle, it's the equivalent of you walking up to somebody and saying, sucks to be you. <laughs> it's not helpful at all. And we got to see what it really means when we say something like that and what God really wants us to know. These choices of free will allowance, the choices that come with a God who's willing to let us choose our love for him, 
You know, when, when we come to know Jesus, we start seeking things spiritually, God begins to do something like a, a removal of these scales from our eyes to help us see more clearly. And you begin to see who God is more clearly. You begin to understand that in the midst of brokenness, he's there saying, come to me. You begin to see that you can run to him in times of difficulty. You see more clearly that God isn't giving us these things, but yet he's being patient, knowing that we have a need for him, being patient in the midst of our chaos and storms. And so we can't misquote God. There's a lot at stake. He's not dealing bad cards. He's not sitting in heaven going, oh, I can't wait for them to lose another loved one. Oh, man, we're going to really pile it on now because you know what we're going to do. We're going to let them waller in their addictions even longer. We're just going to let them just encounter the suffering. Let's a little bit longer. They can handle a little bit more. God's not sitting in heaven going, oh, this new couple just got married. I can't wait to give them more than they can handle. You know what we'll do? We'll let them go out and just get into severe debt, financing everything. And then what will happen is, oh, I can't wait. God, oh, he's saying, yeah, oh, they'll work 60 hours each. And they'll come home late at night, exhausted. And, and, And when they do talk to each other, finally, when they see each other, it'll be such a mess in their communication because they'll be so tired and, and their finances will be such a strain on the marriage. They'll argue over finances and then, and then, ooh, goody, they'll get divorced. God's not that kind of God. There's a dangerous side and I've touched on that already. There's a dangerous side of saying these things. What about handle that more than you can handle? I talked about God won't give. Give, that word give is inappropriate, but handle as well, more than you can handle. Uh, Never anywhere in God's word does he want to set us up, you and I, to be the handler of all the problems of our life. Never. Over and over and over in the scriptures, God's saying to you and I, uh, turn it over to me, let me handle it. I want to handle it, not you. I want, I want to handle these things. Last week, we talked about this, how people get on this treadmill in life, and they're trying to run and run and run, trying to control things, because in your flesh, it seems like that's the answer. The answer is, handle it more. If, I need to, if my life is out of control, I need to do more. I need to do more. And, and the opposite, the contrast with God standing on the opposite is this, is no, 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 it's not about you doing. This is about you turning to me and letting me help you in the midst of the chaos that you're dealing with in your life. I'm, you're not here on this earth to try to solve all the world's problems, but in tabloid talk, we say things like, you need to handle it. Your job is to handle it. Here's a Bible truth, and I wrote this in your notes. We are allowed more than we can handle. We are. (laughs) You're allowed more than you can handle. And in those moments, that's when you will recognize you have a need for God. You've come to the end of you. You're in a moment where it's too much. God said, great, now now let let me help. Let me help you. Let me help you deal with whatever you're dealing with. Turn to me. Come to me. You're, you're in over your head right now. It's, let, me, let me take the wheel. Let me start taking control of your life. Start seeking me first. Seek first. Seek first the things of God. Watch him start doing the work and time in your life as you start putting him first in everything in your life. It is easy, though, when things are going really great for us to say, I, I don't really need God. Things are fine. Things are fixed. Things are in order. I'm on the mountaintop. I don't really need God. 
And I, and I get that. And some of you, you know, you, you've been there where things are going well and you just kind of, I don't need God. It is also true that in the valleys is when we oftentimes are willing to say, oh, okay, then maybe there's a different way. Uh, in the valleys of life, uh, maybe there's a different way for me to live, to operate. Maybe I have a little more urgency when I'm in the valley of my life to say, I, I need something to happen that looks very different than what I'm experiencing now. And I do think some of you here in this audience, you're going through something right now, and this is exactly the time where God's not saying to you, hey, hey, uh, I wanna give you some more for you to handle some more. He's saying, no, 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 I, I want you to turn to me. I'm here in this valley. I, I'm here, I want, I want you to see me. Uh, uh, again, things are going well. We, we're not as interested in looking around. It's like I, I was flying on a plane one time and I was, and if you've ever, uh, one time I was flying by myself and so I was seated next to this guy and sometimes on a plane, you know, people want to talk to you. Sometimes they don't want to talk to you. So you kind of go through this kind of thing at the very beginning of a flight. And I remember one time I was sitting next to this guy on a flight and uh, he, he wanted to talk, you know, and he inevitably you're flying or you're in any conversation, a social setting, not just on a plane. Somebody eventually asks you, they don't know you. They say, well, what do you do for a living? And so this guy asked me, you know, hey, hey, what, what do you do for a living? And, and sometimes, uh, just being honest, I, I, I want to lie because I don't, you know, I, there's some, when I say I'm a pastor, things happen, you know, and so, and it really, it really does open doors at times. But like if I say I'm a pastor, I'm usually going to get things to happen, like one of two things is probably going to happen. If I say I'm a pastor, they're going to not want to talk to me anymore because they're like, uh-uh, I'm not talking to that guy at all. Or they'll say something like, oh, yeah, yeah, well, all of a sudden they want to talk about how spiritual they are. My grandma's uncle's brother's cousin was a minister and they work in the field and a missionary and they start talking about all these things, their past and their family, and they want to talk about some stuff like, like maybe they know something about God. And so that's fine as well. This particular case, though, this guy says, uh, well, uh, you're a pastor. I'm really not into any of that. He wanted to keep talking, but I, I, I'm not really into anything related to God or faith. I, I don't want to talk about it. And, you know, we're going along, we're talking, got a little quiet there for a minute, and then all of a sudden, and maybe you've had this happen on a flight before, um, you know, we're just kind of sitting there, and all of a sudden, we hit turbulence from hell. Have you ever had that? I'm not talking about do 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 I'm not talking about that. No, uh-uh-uh. I'm talking about you know what I'm talking about? Where you look, the bottom has dropped out on everything. All of a sudden, things were smooth. All of a sudden, person next to me, Jesus, God, Jesus, bleepity, bleep, bleep, but a bleep, 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 like words I'd never heard in the same phrase with God and Jesus. And now all of a sudden, this person's interested in thinking about some things about God and Jesus. And look, we could laugh at that, but we get that way too. The bottom starts dropping out. We say, oh, okay. And God's reminder is, yeah, yeah, I'm right here. And I put this in your notes. It's not about you handling it. It's about surrendering. God wants to handle your heart. God wants you to see him in the midst of chaos. God wants you to see him as the provider of your needs. God wants you to know that he's there all along, over and over again, seeking God first in our lives. Oh, I know, Pastor Gary, but God give me more than I can handle. And I think when we say that, sometimes even as believers, we're trying to be brave. 
We're trying to be bold. We really are. And some people think our faith is so strong, and so we feel the need to say something like that. Or maybe we don't want to let people down and want to seem really confident. What a weight to try to carry in your life when you were never meant to. God is not sitting there saying, oh, well, let me see how much more weight I can put on them and see how much they can handle. His agenda has always been for you to learn to surrender to him in your life. Jesus is constantly teaching this over and over. He's teaching the disciples. This is important. You need to understand. Let me have control. Let me take the lead. Let me have ownership in your, your life. One time I was teaching in the midst of a storm. There's a moment that happens, and maybe you know this moment in scriptures where Peter gets out of the boat and walks on water in the midst of this, this storm. Matthew 14, verse 29, come, he said. Jesus said, then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on water. It was stormy, and what did he do? He came toward Jesus. Jesus. We had one person get that right. Thank you. <laughs> he came towards who? He's in the midst of a chaotic storm situation. He came to Jesus, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, all right, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Surrender, Jesus, focus, storm, chaos, not me handling it, not when the storms are written. No, 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 God, I surrender. You're going to handle this. It's not a situation where God wants you to keep carrying it on, keep carrying it on. I, I wrote this in my notes, and you can remember it if you want, but you're not going to swim your way out of a storm. You're going to surrender your way out of a storm. God, I'm letting you take the lead. Jonah 2, verses 2 and 7. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. In my distress, I called to God. He didn't ignore me and say, let me give you some more. When my life was flowing away, ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you in my distress. I called on the Lord. And this is a challenge because when we don't understand things and we, we don't know why things are happening the way they're happening, we have a tendency to try to just keep taking it on more and more in the middle of the storm, what you want to do is you're going to say, okay, I, I see a storm, but what I really need to see in the storm is I need to see or seek God. Never let the fact that you are seeing a storm right now in your life cause you to not seek God. Seek him. He is there. He is waiting. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. If you will, will find out what, what, that his presence and realize his presence is still there, he will guide you. He will help you in that surrendering. And then I wrote this in your notes, this kind of last contrast that I want to share with you. Uh, it's a difference between my strength versus his strength. And really, my strength is, in the end, it's my weakness because there are things I'm strong at and there are things that I'm weak at. And it's the same thing with you. And many times, you get to the end of yourself. And when you're at the end of yourself, this is exactly the right time to seek God's strength. When you get to a, a weak situation, it's in our nature to try to, again, do more, do more. Like we're in the middle of a storm, let me row harder. Let me row harder, I, I know, and, and, and we're getting weaker and weaker, and we don't understand in that moment, no, 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 it's not again, it's not about me doing more, it's about God, I, I'm seeking, I need your help, I need your strength right now. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8, Paul 
talking about how he's struggling with something. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect. My power, God's power, God's response to Paul is, my grace is sufficient. My power is made revealed. It's shown you and I. It's made perfect in, what's that last word? In weakness. This is an old principle that says, less of me, more of him. Less of me, more of him. In those times of great weakness, this is when God wants to show up and show out and show off and say, man, look, I'm here. Look at what I can do. I know you've come to the end of you, but now watch me do this. Therefore, I will boast, Paul said, all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, difficulties. For when I am weak, then... God's help. Look, I am strong. Paul understands whatever he's going through is an opportunity for him to invite God in, show greater strength. Paul's in a moment where he feels like he is sinking. God's giving him a power now to be strengthened. He doesn't have to carry the weight of, his, of the world on his shoulders. Others, people who are willing to, to seek God. They, they'll seek God in a time of a weakness. Maybe, hopefully, some of you in our time together before you leave, you say, I'm, I'm in a time where I feel weak. I'm in a time where I feel like I can't carry something any longer. And instead of trying to carry it longer, you'll make a turn and say, no, I'm weak, but now, God, come in and make things strong. James, who was a pastor of the Jerusalem church, he's the half-brother of Jesus, he said this in James 1 and verse 2, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And here's what, here's what James is saying here in the scripture. He's saying, he's saying, you know what, in a moment where I say, God, I need your strength, here's what I know is going to happen. You're going to come through and strengthen me, and then in my strengthening, I know, God, you can handle more in my life. And so what I'm going to do is going to be a test of my faith. I'm going to say, God, you're strengthening me right now. I, I, I'm inviting you in to strengthen me. And the next time, and because God responds, the next time it happens, you say, I'll do it again. And I'll do it again. And I'll do it again. And you get stronger and stronger and stronger in your faith because God's showing up more and more and more in your life. And it's what allows you to persevere in a very difficult world because time and time again, when you were weak, God showed up and made things strong. It grows. It grows your faith. And you're never going to know until you do it. You're never going to know until you say, God, I'm just, I'm just continually right now. God, strengthen me. I'm weak, but you're, you're strengthening me. And look, I need it. My own life. I've had... There's many times I said, God, I need you to strengthen me. Sometimes it's just when I'm just teaching, you know, and I've had a long, like last weekend, I'm a seven, sometimes we've done eight, nine services, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm coming to the, definitely to the end of myself, God, and I, I need you, and I know, I know I got to do this right, right, because if I don't deliver a good message, well, y'all will leave here and go to like lunch and then critique me, and you'll be like, he was only a four today. <laughs> He's only a four. I, I feel like, you know, maybe a five. He was pushing five, so maybe 4.5. You know, no. But I know there's a lot at stake. That's the truth. There's a lot at stake, and I want to get it right. I want to do the best, do the best for people who are wanting to know the truth about what God wants for their life. And sometimes, sometimes I'm exhausted. Sometimes I'm sick. I'll come up here. I'm, I'm sick. Not during COVID, but like at times, in times during during the years, I've preached through sickness. I've only missed one day 
on a weekend. I was about 14 years ago. I only missed one day on a weekend because I was sick and couldn't preach. And I won't go into that, but it was a vomit mess is what it was. And so I couldn't, I couldn't preach that day. But for the most part, even when I'm ill, I'm up here, I'm saying, okay, God, I'm going to do my part. I'm going to preach. And I don't share that for any other reason but to say to you, but in those moments, I've needed God because I was weak. And he showed up. Sometimes it's not just what I do on the weekends. Maybe it's, it's a funeral after a long weekend or two funerals or, or multiple events where I might have to share or talk and I'm weak and I'm tired. I say, God, I need you. Last weekend alone, we were coming onto the seventh service and I was, I was weak. I'd come kind of the end of myself and I'd say, okay, God, then this time, if this thing's going to go really well, God, at this point, it, it's got to be you. And not that it wasn't on the other six, but now I'm, I'm weak. God, I need you to make me strong. You know what's interesting is when I stepped into that, in that moment on the seventh service at 6 p.m. on Sunday last week, when I stepped forward into God's strength in that moment, we had more people per capita, per attendance, come forward to the altar in that service than any other service because that was God showing up saying, hey, it's not about you. I'm going to show off now, and I'm going to show you in your weakness how I can make things even greater. And that gives me faith for perseverance in my faith so that I can keep moving ahead. And the next time I go through a difficulty in my life, God, I know you'll be there. Some of you, uh, you, you have an opportunity to experience God in a very incredible way in a valley and in, maybe in a way you would never be able to experience on a mountaintop by saying, God, I'm turning to you right now. Because guess what? You will have times in your life where you do get more than you can handle. Even God calls you out sometimes, and there's no way it's going to happen on your own. God calls you out in your life and says, you know what, I want you to be a foster parent. And when you decide to do that, guess what? You're going to get more than you can handle. But you're going to turn to God, and he's going to give you strength. You're going to surrender to him. He's going to give you strength in your weakness. You're trying to raise teenagers. I get it. And you're like, I, I feel like I've gotten more than I can handle. Yeah, you got more than you can handle. But God... But God comes along and says, now I'm going to strengthen you. You're weak. I'm going, to make you, I'm going to make you strong. Turn to me. I'm there in the midst of a storm. You're going to step out in ministry. You're going, to, you're going to decide to be a leader or be a pastor, and you don't know how it's going to go. You're getting more than you can handle in a moment. God says, great, I'm here. I'm here. Uh, I'm going to be the one that leads this journey for you in your life. You're going to get married. Somebody of the opposite sex, somebody that's opposite of you completely. Uh, you're going to get more than you can handle. But God's going to come along and say, now let me help you. Let me show off in this marriage and let me see what God can do in a marriage. Instead of saying, I've got to be strong, I've got to be strong, I've got to be strong. No, I need you, God. There's times where I'm weak. There's times where I don't have it all together. There's times where I have come to the end of myself and I need you. Let's go back to the prodigal son and then we'll close it out. We saw a portrait of the father and the son, the son choosing something unhealthy for his life. In all of that, what's the father's stance? Luke 15 and verse 17. When he came to his senses, the son, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'm going to set out. I'm going to go back to my father. I'm going to say to my father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me just like one of your hired servants so that, uh, so that I can at least have something to eat. You know, it's like, I'll just be the basic thing now at this point. So he got up and he went to his father. 
but here was the father all along while he was going through what he was going through. Here's the father. But while he was a long way off, his father, his father what? Saw him was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The stance of the father is not, oh, 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 don't come home. Don't come back to me until you have a little more pain. That's not it at all. He's ready. He's waiting. In the midst of chaos, come to the father. Let's pray. God, we're reminded today, it's just a little thing. It's just a little thing. It's just a, a words that we throw out there. But sometimes believers hear these things, or unbelievers hear these things, and they, they think of, uh, 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 think might be a truth about God, and it's not even close. And uh, Sometimes we've heard things like this, and we've, it's caused us to try to handle things, to try to do things, to try to be something that we're not meant to be. And this twisted view of who God is. And God, correct us today. Help us to use the, uh, the more, more appropriate words about who God is in difficult times. And to people just turn to the Father who's waiting. Some of you right now, you're, you're, you're believers and you, uh, you kind of engage in, in, in this a little bit yourself. You're trying to handle it. You're even trying to handle it just like we talked last week. You're trying to, you're trying to handle it. And, and it's easy. It's easy that it was once the cross for you, but now you've slipped into this humanism and this moralism or this thing to try to, try to work it out all on your own. Again, just like I said last week, you, you, you come to God, you, you turn to him, you surrender to him, come back to the very things that have always set us free and that have always helped us. It's God, it's Jesus. Others of you, you're, there's people in the room this size, there's some who are not believers in Christ, you're not. And you're far away, you're far away in a distant land. And there's been a little bit of messiness there. God is not sitting there waiting for you to get worse. He wants you to come home to him right now. He's waiting with open arms. He wants you to discover the love that he has for you. Would you come to him? Would you turn to him? Would you surrender to him? The Bible says that for all who believe in the gift that God gave his son, Jesus Christ. We are forgiven. We can have new life. God celebrates that new life in the heavenly realms when somebody decides to turn back to him. He's waiting. God, I accept that gift of salvation today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. A special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit newwalk.church. And if you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to click the share button and tag us on social media at My New Walk Church. Thanks for listening.